You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Here we are. It's our last Sunday of 2021. Um, and... I don't know about you, but uh, this is this is a year that I've I've kept waiting for the year to start. You know, 2021 began and it felt like a rollover, and I kept waiting for the year to start. Um, I know that we're ending it, and we had some amazing moments uh, as the year went by. But as a church, personally, as a family, uh, even though we've had moments and milestones that we've reached, uh, the year itself it never really felt like it started. I don't know if you felt like that to me, like in my heart. It never really felt like it just kind of rolled over. I don't know if you ever had like a day that you're working hard and, and, and you haven't had lunch. Have you ever had one of those days you haven't had lunch and, and you're so hungry and about 4.30 comes along and you know you got to eat something and, and it's 4.30, you got to eat, man. So you, you finally get a little break and you get to your kitchen or your pantry and you just start eating everything that you see. You go to the fridge, there's some leftover, you grab a fruit, you go to the pantry, grab some cookies, and you just start eating because you're so hungry. And then you get to the point where you don't know what you had, but you just know that you're full. You know, it wasn't a meal, but you're just full. And you have, it wasn't lunch because it was 4.30, and it wasn't dinner because it was 4.30. It was something in between, something odd. That's how 2021 feels to me. (laughs) Not a proper meal. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, what was supposed to be. But somehow you got through it and, and somehow it, it ended. Personally, it just felt like a tag-along, a connector between 2020 and 2022. It was just there. It was just a little awkward year. Now, amazing things have happened. We've had weddings. We've had kids being born and babies in the church. And nothing minimizes that. We've had some milestones as a family. But it just, it, it, it's almost as though like, there were too many things unresolved. I don't know if you feel that way. Like to me personally and, and as a leader in the church, it just felt like there were things that we were hoping to do that we kept waiting to do and we never got to. There were things that we wanted to start that we never got to start. There are people that we wanted to reconnect with that we never got to reconnect because of this pandemic. And, and we gave it our best and we gave it our best. And, and, and you know, we, 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 did, we, we did have some great moments, but... I just feel like I need some few more months to end the year. I feel, I feel like I need a couple more weeks, maybe, maybe a four or five more weeks to end the year. But at the same time, I'm ready to end the year today. <laughs> it's this odd thing. I'm ready for the new. I'm ready for what God has in store. And I know I sound confusing. You might be thinking, J.D., what are you talking about? Like, Are you ready to end the year or are you not ready to end the year? And the answer is yes to both. I'm ready for the new, and my, my soul is full of faith for what God has in store. But I'm also tired of the same, and I don't know if you feel that way. Have you ever felt like you've gotten to the end? Like, I don't mean that you can't go on. I don't mean that you don't have the strength to go on. I don't mean that you don't have the energy, the ability, the capacity to go on. You've just gotten to the end. And whatever else you want, you want something else. You want something new. Like this whole thing is played out. And we need something fresh. 
And I'm not even talking about the pandemic itself, because we got to be responsible. We have to do what we got to do. We wear the masks, and we do what we need to do to keep people safe. But this is what I know. We can't stay here. We can't stay here in our soul, in our mind. We can't stay here running in circles, living as though this is real, living as though... Uh, you know, thinking that this virtual world that we've gotten immersed into because of the pandemic is real, that, that the heartlessness that we see so widespread of people just not considering another, not loving one another, that that's real. It got me thinking, like when my firstborn uh, was little, there was a season in our lives that we had to drive two hours a day because my wife was pregnant with a high-risk pregnancy, so we had to go to a hospital in Danbury every single day for her to get monitored. And, uh, and so we had the little one. We, we all had to go as a family and come back, and we did that for months, every single day. Um, and on the drive, our little one, uh, she was about three, three and a half. There was this one song that she loved. And it was a great song by Carrie Job, Steady My Heart, and... And the song ministered to us, and it was great. And every time we would get in the car, she was like, can you play Steady My Heart on repeat, volume 28? <laughs> it was a specific volume that she would request, and we would play it. But at some point during those drives, it will get to a point where I would look at her and say, babe, this is an amazing song, and I thank you, but we got to move on to the new song. <laughs> we got to move on to the next one. <laughs> We can't just play the same thing for two hours every single day. It can't, we can't do that. Daddy's going to take this out of repeat right now, and we're going to play the next song. And I feel like that's what God wants to do in our lives. In a simple way, God wants to take your life out of repeat, your mind out of repeat, your worrying out of repeat, your anxiety out of repeat. And, and it feels like Groundhog Day, man. And that's not, that's not the way that we're supposed to live. Now, we don't know how long this thing is going to last. But we know this. God has a new song for us, for every single one of us. So can we move on to the newness that he has for us? Can we open our hearts and decide today that as we prepare for the new year, as we enter the new year in these coming days, that 2022 is not going to be the same year as 2021? You know Why? Because we're not gonna let it, uh, the the we're not gonna let what God has for 2022 be at the mercy of someone else, be at the mercy of the headlines, be at the mercy of whatever's going on on social media. We're going to take what God has for us and put our faith in Him and allow Him to do what He's going to do, pandemic and all, through our lives. And I believe that there's no better time to think about newness of life and renewal of life than Christmas. We just had Christmas yesterday. I still feel like it's Christmas. Our lights are on. Our tree is up. And I'm wearing one of my Christmas gifts. I like it. It's great. Thank you, honey. <coughs> not COVID, okay? I told you that last week. This is not COVID. <laughs> Before Jesus was born... The Jewish people, uh, they had been in the same cycle, playing the same song for 400 years. Same cycle 
of going from under empire to empire. Empire, first it was the Greco Empire, the, 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 the Grecian Empire, and then the Roman Empire took over, and they never had full autonomy for those 400 years. They tried, but their hopes for restoration kept being pushed to the next generation. Their hopes for newness kept being pushed to the next generation. It was dwindling because they were in, under the same cycle of oppression for 400 years. They were stuck in a sad song. Believing for a new song. And Luke writes about the events surrounding the arrival of Christ. His story begins with a priest respected by the people. A man of noble character known as a man of God. His name was Zechariah. And this man had the promise that his son would prepare the way for the Savior. His son would prepare the way for the Messiah. The one who would actually release Israel. It was a beautiful promise. But Zechariah's wife was old, past menopause, and had not yet had any children. So when Zechariah heard the promise, when he heard the angel that his wife would become pregnant, he questioned it in his heart. And he didn't think that his wife Elizabeth could get pregnant or would get pregnant. So let's go to the scripture. Luke chapter 1 verse 18. It says this, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day all these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Wow. Here is a man of God. Someone who, that's his life. He's a religious man. He is a, he's a, a devout man. But here he is in unbelief. There's something powerful about God silencing Zechariah's unbelief. He, so many times we are caught in our perspectives. We are caught in our mindset. We are caught in the way we see things. And many times they are logical things. They make sense. May I remind you that Zechariah's argument was grounded in logic? I'm sorry, angel, but my wife is too old. She's past the time of bearing children. How can this be? I'm not saying that we should ignore logic. What I'm saying is that we ought to open our hearts to God's logic to the way that he does things. Because his abilities and his view and his plan for our lives is more expansive than what we can see. And while we use logic to cling to our limitations, because that's really what it is, if you think about it, we, we use logic to look at how far we can go and, and, and cling to our incapabilities. God uses his wisdom to, and power to create new ways where, where there seems to be no way for us in our lives. And God can do things that can defy, defy our expectations, defy logic and break the mold. And here, God came to a man and a woman who did everything right to the best of their ability, yet they were barren. Scripture says that they walked uprightly before the Lord, but they didn't have a kid. And they wanted it so badly. 
And now God is silencing Zechariah because of his unbelief. So you can be religious, you can be pious, you can be dedicated, you can be somebody who is mindful of God and his abilities, but you can still talk yourself out of God's promise for your life. You can still talk yourself out. And can I encourage you today to consider your words? Consider your words these coming weeks. Not only to yourself, but consider your heart, consider your mind. Not, not to be cynical. Not to look at our world and, and, and be so negative toward God's promise for your life, but allow newness of mind. Allow His plan to fill you with faith. See, pandemic or no pandemic, God is faithful. Bank account full or bank account pay, empty, what He promises, He will fulfill. Whether your outlook is bright right now or whether your outlook is bleak, God is able. And His vision is greater than our vision. His abilities are greater than our abilities. And if we trust His word, He, whatever He, he, he has promised will come to pass. Now can I invite you to trust Him? Even if it means that He has to shut you up. Can I invite you to trust Him today? Now, I want you to understand what took place while Zacharias was mute because something amazing took place. The same angel that visited uh, Elizabeth or has visited Zechariah visited a young unmarried girl and delivered her the following message. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 28. It says this, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. This is the angel talking to Mary, the mother of Jesus. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. And try to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who has called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want you to think about the sequence of events because first you have this big picture, right? 400 years of silence, 400 years of them being in the same sad song, 400 years waiting and expecting the salvation of their people. Then the angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah and says, your son that your wife will have in her old age will prepare the way for the Messiah. And then the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to get pregnant. Even though you're young and unmarried, and you've never been with a man, you're going to get pregnant, and you will have a son. If you were married, what would you do? When you hear that story, like when I heard that story, and he says, oh, by the way, your, your relative Elizabeth is also pregnant in her old age. What would you do? I tell you what I'd do. I would go visit my relative. Because if the angel of God told me, 
that she was pregnant, it's because these two things are connected. And this is exactly what uh, Mary does. Look at what the scripture says. Verse 39, we continue. In those days, meaning it didn't take long at all. In those days, when the angel spoke to her, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to, the cha- to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she explained with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is, it, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has spoken to her from the Lord. Mary's act, Mary's very act of going to see Elizabeth was an act of faith, was an act of belief. She went to see her relative on an angel's word. That was Mary's way of saying, I believe. And here, these two women, one young and one older, less young. And they both have a moment all by themselves. They have this moment all by themselves because Zechariah can't speak. So he's quiet in the corner watching probably. And no one else knew. No one else knew, including them, had a clue what was about to happen. No one else knew that this would be recorded by Luke. That this would be such an event that would change the world in a way that we would be written more than any other story. And that Luke, the historian and, 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 and doctor, would go investigate and write it down. And this would be preserved for generations to come, including us here 2,000 years later. Think about that. This is powerful. But it's significant that Zechariah was mute. It's significant that the two women were the ones filled with the Holy Spirit and the ones who announced in their moment the coming of Christ. See, I was at a pastor's meeting not too long ago where a pastor friend of mine made an observation that I hadn't noticed before from this passage. He said, Elizabeth was the first mention in the Gospels. It was the first mention in the Bible. First person to call Jesus Lord. It was Elizabeth. I want you to think about that. It's a powerful thing that the Holy Spirit would come to visit these two women. Women of faith, devoted to God, but women not included in the realm of decisions, not included included in the religious hierarchy, not included in what was expected back then where God to bring salvation. and They weren't part of the realms of religious authority. They were women. Back then, they didn't have any standing. Yet God chose them. God came to them. Think about it. God revealed himself to the priest, and then he shut him up so that the announcement would come through these women. Now think about this. One of them is a young unmarried girl about to be pregnant before marriage. Another is a lady 
who is, she has a reproach in her life because she's barren. And this was very bad in those days. In those days, women had one job to rear children. And she couldn't even do that. Yet God chose her. The Holy Spirit filled her. And she was the one who, to first utter that Jesus is Lord. It's significant. This was, this was God's way of saying, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing things in a new way. Things that, that in, the, in a way that they weren't do, done before. I'm moving on from this broken record. And I'm, I'm playing a new song here. I'm coming to the world through new avenues. I'm revealing myself through unexpected ways. And it's not coming through the religious establishment. I'm coming through the sincere and pure hearts of these two ladies. Now, there's no way to confirm this, but I believe there's a big possibility that this is the very moment where Mary gets pregnant, where Mary gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in this moment, as the scripture continues, it says this. She sings, she breaks out into a new song. And this is what she says, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 49. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God of my Savior. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And then she continues. It's a beautiful, beautiful song that she sings right there. And then she says on verse 56, oh, scripture says, Luke writes, And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. So it is possible that Mary goes to visit her relative by herself and comes back to Joseph pregnant. And so Joseph decides to divorce her. Because what, what, what the heck were you doing? When you were visiting your cousin or what were you doing? And then the angel comes to Joseph and says, no, it's from the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a big possibility that that's what happened in, in the sequence of events. I want you to remember that Christmas happened first to the least of these. Because that's what those two women represent. And I want to tell you three things that happen when God gives you a new song. Three things that God will take you through. Three things that happen. Okay, first one is this. Uh, first thing is this. He silences our unbelief. Just like with Zechariah. Sometimes the best thing we can say is nothing. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just say nothing. Sometimes silence is an act of faith. Scripture says that we ought to resist the schemes of the devil by putting on the armor of God. To resist the devil in the evil way. And then it says this, that after you've done all, stand. After you've done all, stand. In other words, don't talk yourself out of it. Just stand. Don't say things that will kill your faith. Just stand. Don't look at the flaming darts of the enemy, the thoughts that come to your mind, the negative thoughts that say you're not going to make it, you're not made for this, this is not what God has for your life. But root your life in the faith and the word of God. And after you've done that, stand. Stand in belief. He will silence our unbelief. Number two is this. He removes our reproach. 
just like with Mary and Elizabeth, these two ladies. Like I said, one wasn't even married. The other one was old and barren. They were both in the outskirts of society. Not people you or I would have picked to be channels of salvation in the world. We probably would pick people that are in the higher realms of religion or people who have the know-how and the ability, but this is not the way that God chose to do it. See, God doesn't do things like we do. And we have to understand that we are instruments of God in this earth. You are an instrument of God in your places of work, in your family. And God wants to use you for good. And just like Mary and Elizabeth, you may have excuses in your heart, in your mind, in your soul of why you are not the person for the job. Why you are not the right person for what God has spoken to you. I'm sure you think about it. I know I do. When God called us to Connecticut, I was like, God, me? I mean, I wasn't born in this country. I didn't know English until I was 20 years old. And God plucked me out of my hometown and planted me in Houston, Texas, my wife and I. And in Texas, you know, we fell in love with America, felt connected to the mission that God had for us here. Embraced this land as our own, as our, as our own land, our own family. And I don't mean that in a touristy way, you know, like in a Hollywood way. I mean, we went to work. We became a commuter in Houston traffic. That in itself, that in itself <laughs> is a trial. As an immigrant, you know, being told that the things that God had put in my heart wouldn't come to pass because of my accent and other things that we had to face. And then when we felt like we had deep roots in Texas, that things were good and we were raising kids with our friends and our kids were, you know, our kid. God deposited this crazy dream of planting a church in the least churched region in America. Coming to Stanford to start a church where churches die. Four churches have closed down since we started that I know of, just in Stanford. It's crazy. And I, I kept wondering in the beginning, like, God, why me? Like, why us? Like, we're, we're not the person for the job. No way. And I don't know what, where you are in your story. I don't know what your story is. I don't know the dreams that you have in your heart. But I bet that your thoughts come all mixed up with thoughts of defeat, of inadequacy. Thinking about the dreams and the things that God had, has for you. Thinking, there's no way. This is too big. Well, good. Because God is the one who removes the reproach. See, he didn't give you those dreams so you can overcome your deficiencies and then achieve the dreams. He gave you those dreams because of your shortcomings. So that he can use your life and so he can show his glory through your life. And our job, your job, is to stay faithful like Mary and like Elizabeth. Stay faithful. And the thing the world sees as a reproach, the thing the world sees as the inadequacy, God will use for his good purpose in your life. He will come, make it come to pass. 
Number three, and last one. Very simple. God does what we can't do. He does what we can't do. Mary was helpless to produce a Savior by herself, on her own. Elizabeth, her body had already gone past the days of childbearing. There's nothing she could do about it. They both had to rely on God. And you might be in a situation right now. The year is ending. You had dreams, ideas, possibilities for this year. And you might have been thinking, God, is, is this too late? Maybe you're in a season of, of life where you've been dreaming for the same thing for 10 years, 20 years. Can I encourage you to hold on to faith? And know that God is for you. Allow him to silence your unbelief. Allow him to remove the reproach from your life. And know that he will do what you can't do if you simply hold on to faith and let him guide your life. Our job is to obey and to allow God to use us for his good purposes. For that's why he has called us here. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen.